Welcome to Lens in Light, the podcast that invites photographers from diverse backgrounds to share their adventures and experiences. Your host, Amber Braxton, a fine art photographer, is excited to bring you valuable tips, tricks, and recommendations to help you take your photography skills to the next level. From hilarious moments to insightful conversations, join us as we explore the exciting world of photography together. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the fascinating world of photography. Just sipping on some fresh coffee this evening. I needed a wake-me-up after I've had kind of a sluggish day so far. Uh, I went last night, actually early this morning, I guess, I went uh, to photograph the Milky Way with some daffodils in um, Mount Vernon, Washington. And Mount Vernon is about an hour and a half away from my house, so I had to get up early to be able to get there uh, before the sun rose so that I could actually see the Milky Way. So I'm running on about three hours of sleep. But the image that I got, I'm super proud of uh, because even though there was quite a lot of light pollution where I was, which I wasn't planning for. I think it actually adds some color to the photo, which I'm really excited about. So for those of you who don't know, the Milky Way is visible in the Northern Hemisphere from March to September. So the Galactic Center just became visible again for us uh, this month, which is really exciting. But it's still, the window of opportunity is still really small because the galactic center rises above the horizon at about 3, I think it's like 3 a.m. And the sun, you only have until about, you only have about two hours with the galactic center in the sky before you start to get too much light from the sun rising. It was kind of a race against time yesterday. Um, as you get into the summer, it's out longer and longer and longer. Uh, but for right now, I'm just eager to be photographing any sort of the Milky Way core. And I am always concerned with my foreground. Um, you can ask my husband. He gets really annoyed with me when we're driving around looking for things to photograph. And there's a beautiful sky and everything is gorgeous. And if I don't have a foreground, chances are I'm not going to take the photo. So, but I saw these daffodils the other day, these roadside daffodils, um, as we were driving through Mount Vernon, the Mount Vernon area. And I thought, I want to get that with the Milky Way. I want to get it with the core of the Milky Way. So last night... I saw that there was going to be a clearing of clouds in that area and so I took my opportunity and went to go photograph. Anyways, uh, it is, it was again an hour and a half away so three hours worth of driving by the time I got home it was six o'clock a.m. I got a few more hours of sleep. Um, but it's just been kind of a sluggish day. 
I'm inspired to tell you this story because of a few different reasons. When my husband and I came here on vacation a year ago, that is when this uh, scene occurred. And so just reminiscing on a year ago how my husband and I were vacationing here in Washington and now we are living here in Washington and it's just incredible to take a look back and see where we were a year ago and how we set goals to move here to Washington and make it our home and we're doing just that. Um, so reminiscing on this photo because of that, but also funny, it, there's a funny story tied to this photo. Being from Colorado, I do not know anything about how the ocean operates, although I am learning. At this moment in time, because we were just vacationing here, I knew very little. Um, I didn't even know tide charts were a thing coming from Colorado. Um, I was clueless. And so my husband, he is born and raised in Connecticut, moved to Colorado for college. That's how we met. You would think he would know <laughs> the importance of reading a tide chart. Because he grew up on boats. So we pull up to Ruby Beach. Ruby Beach was a stunner. I was totally mesmerized by the beauty of the ocean, the changing colors. It was sunset. And so the colors on the waves were changing between blues and pinks and oranges. And the colors on the rocks were reflecting the colors in the sky. And literally, it was just a beautiful scene to be able to witness and to capture. But I was about as prepared for the tide as a fish is for climbing a tree. We hiked down uh, to where it's sandy. There's a sandbar, it looks like. The tide is out far enough that we can get down by where there's a bunch of rocks that we wanted to photograph. And so we hiked down there. No big deal. Bada boom, bada bing. And so I set up my camera to capture the stunning sunset. Sean is over there spotting an otter or two playing with them in the water. And I was drooling over the kaleidoscope of colors to be able to pay attention to literally anything else. Nowhere did I realize that the tide was rising uh, very, very quickly. Next thing I know, I look around. We are still on kind of a sand bank, but there is just waist-high water all around us. And in order for us to get back to where we need to be and back to safety, we have to tread through this now raging river. Mind you, I have my tripod and my camera and I'm in hiking boots. Sean is in hiking boots. We're not in water shoes. Like we're not prepared <laughs> to be swimming, to be swimming in a river. So next thing I know, I'm up to my waist in water. My camera is in the danger of drowning. My, the rocks are slippery underneath. I'm holding my camera above my head and I'm about to slip. I'm about to slip. I can feel it going down. The current was so strong. 
And thankfully, uh, a fellow photographer came to my rescue. I tossed him my precious camera like a hot potato because please forget about me, save the camera. So anyways, once the camera was out of my hand, I was actually able to regain my balance. And even though I didn't fall in the water, I was very much in the water. The tide was just rising and it was waist high. So we squished all the way back to our Airbnb. And at this Airbnb, it was really awesome. Uh, they told us that there was going to be a, a power outage at, and they weren't really sure when it was going to happen, but they were working on like, I don't know, they were working on something nearby and they needed to turn off the power. And so we didn't have heat or power really all night. And we had to dry, try to dry our boots the next day next to a space heater. And that's when we got the electricity back and we tried to dry them by the space heater, but they were toast. Would I do anything differently? No. I can wholeheartedly say I would do everything the same in order to get the same exact photo. There, there are very few things I wouldn't do in order to get the shot that I want to get. And I guess that is what I'm trying to say is that photography takes perseverance. Photography, yes, you have to have an eye for the scene, but you also have to be able to go out there, put yourself in these opportunities to be able to get these situations. I, there's nothing I hate more when people tell me that I'm lucky for getting scenes that I get. I now put in a lot of research to look at tide charts. I, I look at uh, astronomical events. I look at all of these different things. I look at weather. I look at uh, weather radars. And those are all things that I had to learn how to read. And those are things that I had to invest my time in in order to be able to commit to this whole photography thing. As a child, I was obsessed over the idea of what I was going to be when I grew up. I can remember playing house and with my sister and my friends, and it was different every time, but I was always stressed about what my career was going to be while we were playing house. Some days it was a marine biologist. Some days it was a veterinarian. Some days it was an artist and amongst all of the possible dreams, I found that I had the most passion for careers that would let me be creative. However, everything society told me about being a creator or being an artist was that it was too risky and not attainable. I also knew at a young age that powerful art had to be more than just attractive. It also had to be impactful. I didn't know how to achieve that. And so this became a barrier and it was something that caused fear for failure. So anyways, I went to college. I explored very different avenues of study. Uh, ultimately, I chose to major in psychology and communications because, you know, psychology uh, careers make a lot of money, just like artist careers. Ha ha. Uh, just kidding. 
but anyways, I at least enjoyed psychology and communications enough to actually study it, finish college. But during that time, creativity became less of a priority and any ideas of being an artist kind of, I just had to consider being a childish dream. I was working a full-time job, going to school full-time, and it made it really difficult to be able to explore different hobbies or to be able to continue hobbies that I enjoyed as a young adult. So anyways, after I graduated college, I got a job in psychology. Um, I met my now husband, but then my boyfriend, um, and he gifted me my first camera. And so after a few years of working in mental health, I began to dabble in the art of photography. I began, you know, doing like landscapes, uh, nature, sunsets, sunrises, that sort of thing. Um, and I really didn't know how much it was going to influence my life as an artist. I thought it was just going to be a silly hobby that I could do on the weekends when I wasn't working. But as the years went on, um, I realized that I was getting to the point where photography was no longer just a hobby. I would spend countless hours on YouTube watching videos how to improve my photography. And really it did become an obsession. When I wasn't watching videos, I was putting it to practice behind the camera. So I came to this fork in the road. Do I continue a steady job that has great benefits uh, that I sort of enjoy, but I really, really enjoy being creative more? However, do I trade that job for a job as an artist where my pay is not going to be steady and I have to pay for those health bennies by myself and that shit is expensive. I found myself having this internal argument about wanting to quit and wanting to be able to make this dream happen full time. My imposter syndrome, however, told me that it would never be a, a possibility. But that's the thing with risk, is it's not about knowing how things are going to turn out. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. There's a willingness to both leap, but there also has to be a willingness to fail when welcoming risk. And the passion that I had for photography and my commitment to learn excited me so much that it came down to either taking that opportunity to quit my job or lose the chance. And thankfully, I was in a position where I had family and friends support. And so I quit my job. And that is where the risk was just beginning being a photographer. So a while ago when I said, you know, some risks are riskier than others, uh, it, it, like I said, you don't have to be out there chasing storms and chasing tornadoes like I do. I love adrenaline, right? Like I'm an adrenaline junkie. And so I get off on that kind of thing, but that is not what I'm saying you have to do in order to be able to take risks. Risks can be small. Risks can be anything that is outside of your comfort zone. And really just getting out there and interacting with the natural world. Choosing subjects such as storm chasing definitely illustrates my innate ability to take a risk. However, without the work and the time that I have put forth in learning a new science, I couldn't do what I do. Stepping out of my comfort zone isn't always about capturing just risky subjects, but rather spending countless hours 
learning how to interpret things like meteor meteorological who that's a hard word to say data and radars um i also spend a lot of time on google maps searching landscapes and maps to plan out routes and a lot of the time they turn out to be private property which is something you can't tell on google maps there was a time where i was storm chasing last year and I drove 1500 miles in a week. I put 1500 miles on my car in a week to chase a storm that never happened. And to me, those are risks. Setting aside countless hours to research how to get images that I want to get. And if that image doesn't work out, then that time is wasted. Honestly, I don't believe that it's truly wasted but it is frustrating when you put a lot of effort behind a photo and it doesn't work out creating images that are impactful and having a career as an artist forces me to keep up with talent and competition through continuous practice and trying to be one of the best in my field um i really struggle with self-trust and that i feel like i'm not good enough especially when i'm comparing my work to people that have been in the field for 20, 30 years. And imposter syndrome definitely tells me that I made the wrong choice sometimes. I just had an anxiety attack that I didn't actually turn on the microphone and that I have just been talking to myself, but it's on. Okay, we're good. Yeah, so I struggle with self-trust in that I feel I'm not good enough for... Once I compare my work to others, I still feel like an amateur a lot of the time. I don't have an obvious plan that I'm following. Uh, so I feel like I take one step forward and several steps backwards a lot of the time as I'm trying to figure out this journey as an entrepreneur and an artist. My photography journey began seven years ago and taking risks in my career allows me to carve my own path and lets me do what I want to do on my own time. Risk is a cost of opportunity and innovation, and it allows me to be able to make mistakes without necessarily needing to consider them failures when they don't work out in my favor. I think that that is one of the things I've learned about being an entrepreneur and working on my own is that I now have different expectations of myself than I did when I was working a corporate job. Just the other day, I took a risk Uh, a risk to me, which might be a small risk to some. But again, coming from Colorado, we don't have car ferries that take you from one island to another. And that the thought of that idea terrified me um, because I didn't know what the process was. I didn't know how to buy a ticket. I didn't know how to get on. I didn't know how it worked. And so the other day I vowed to myself that I was going to go out and take the ferry over to one of the islands that is close to where I live. And I was going to go explore at low tide because, hey, I looked at that tide chart. So I drove, I drove to the ferry. I drove an hour to the ferry, bought my ticket, got onto the ferry. Everything was fine. Everything was easy. And I didn't die which was wonderful, (laughs) but it was a risk. 
it was a risk for me because I was afraid that I was going to fail at it. And those are the kinds of situations that I have to continuously put myself in if I want to get these images that I'm producing. Just that day, I produced an image that was, uh, I went to this beach on the island that I, that I took the car ferry to, went for a three and a half mile hike on the beach, and I ended up finding tons of sand dollars, which was incredible because I've never found like a whole sand dollar and these ones were alive, which was incredible, which by the way, PSA, they are live animals. So don't steal them, please. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I got this sick shot of this sand dollar at, uh, at low tide at sunset and the light on it is golden. It's beautiful. Um, and it paid off that, that, photo paid off and it was a risk that I was willing to take and that now I have experience it's no longer a risk. Here's what I would say to somebody who wants to take risks but is afraid of stepping out of their comfort zone. First I would start small. Taking risks doesn't always have to involve huge leaps. Start with some small risks that challenge you but that are still manageable. This can help you build your confidence and prepare you for bigger risks down the road. The second thing I would say is identify your fears. Understanding what's holding you back can help you overcome your fears. Like I said in the instance with the ferry, I knew coming here that I was afraid of it. I knew that it was going to be risky for me to do that on my own. And I knew it was going to be risky in the sense that it was putting me out of my comfort zone. If I wanted to get the shot that I wanted though, it was something that I would have to overcome. Third, embrace failure. Failure is a natural part of taking risks and there's gonna be no way for you to separate the two. So acknowledging that there is going to be failure and, that, and acknowledging what that might feel like for you is really important in how you're going to respond to that happening. The freedom of failure has allowed me to approach risk-taking with a more open mindset and I'm able to embrace the potential for growth and success. The next thing I would say is to get support. Surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals is a very powerful tool when you're trying to meet goals. If you're wanting to do risky things to put yourself in situations where you can get photos like no one else has seen. Sometimes you're going to have to go into situations that are kind of uncomfortable to do alone sometimes. I don't know how many times I've gone to like an abandoned house in the middle of the night to get it with the Milky Way and you can hear everything out in the darkness with coyotes out in the distance and uh, weird noises and it's kind of scary. So I always like to bring someone along with me when I'm doing things like that. Um, so photography friends for me are priceless. And the last little bit of advice I could give is to get used to being uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable means you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And that is the biggest bit of advice 
I can give anyone is to just step out of your comfort zone. And the more you do it, the easier it will become. I encourage you over this next week to take a look at your current situation, take a look at your current goals. Ask yourself, what's holding me back? And if it's you, it's your choice whether you're going to allow that to happen or not. I also encourage you to take your goals and share them with people that are like-minded individuals. Share them with people so that they can hold you accountable for those goals. Sometimes you don't have any idea what you're capable of until you can just do it. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Lens and Light. I'm your host, Amber Braxton with Amber Braxton Fine Art. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion on the art of photography today, and I hope you join us next week for another exciting episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and until next time, go have an adventure.